Mariposa, quiero ver tu cara. She did not understand. A hot sea wind had been blowing for three days, and now it blew dust and bits of paper along the street and ballooned the skirt of the girl's jalaba. She smoothed the skirt with her palms and looked up at him. She was slender, and perhaps pretty. He could not tell for sure because of the veil, although he knew that her eyes were large and blue and had a slight oval slant. Her eyes seemed illuminated from within. They were bright and metallic with craziness. Mariposa, venga aquí. David was sitting cross-legged on the small second-floor balcony. The street below was a narrow, sloping canyon. Gray paving stones, sun-bleached, pastel-colored buildings without lanes or alleys between. A pale strip of sky overhead. He looked down at her through the twisted wrought-iron bars of the railing. Take off your veil, he said. She seemed startled by the simple command. She looked up at him and there was something like fear in her crazy eyes. She stiffened and her eyes changed. Surprise, fear, appeal. He saw, or believed he saw, all of them in her eyes. The wind gusted again, carrying the fishy sea odors of plankton and mangrove swamp and sun-rotted kelp. The girl's skirt ballooned again, filled like a parachute. She spilled the air from it by rubbing her palms down the front of her thighs. Why are you wearing that costume? David asked. The effects of his fever swelled and diminished like the wind. For brief periods he felt completely normal, but then he was carried away. All temporal and spatial perceptions were distorted. Time ceased being linear and became a kind of mosaic in which certain areas remained blank and others were filled with color and action. What is your name? he asked her. Strawberry Lassitude, she said. Her voice was a thin, passive flute note. David decided to go down into the street. He got up, went into his room, but then a surge of fever lifted him onto a vertiginous crest, held him there for a moment, and then rolled him down into the trough. He sat on the floor and looked around. He had the feeling that two years were missing from his life. The room, his quarters for most of that time, was now strange to him. There was no real furniture. A seven-foot cardboard wardrobe, straw mats on the tile floor, a couple of boat cushions, a blanket, a charcoal brazier, a tea kettle and skillet, earthenware pots, a ten-gallon jug of aqua pura. He could not believe that this was his home. He drank a glass of water and went to sleep in the heat and wind. He dreamed of a diamond sun, many-faceted and with a hard diamond light. Little flames, each no bigger than the flare of a match, erupted all over his body, and as he walked he had to slap them out continually. He looked up at the sky and chanted, Rain, 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 and finally the diamond sun turned black, and there was a bolt of luminous black lightning, and the sky was ripped open. Rain obliquely streaked down and hissed on the hot stones. Steam began to rise, spiraling upward in twists that grew larger and larger until they were great black columns supporting the sky. They began spinning like tornado funnels. Sweat poured from his body. Each inhalation sucked hot mist into his lungs. The heat closed in, exerting a pressure as in deep water. He could not breathe. The rain turned into blood.
and the steam was a blood-red color and moving more slowly through the air, billowing and mushrooming with a liquid viscosity. When he awoke, it was night, and the girl was gone. He went up on the roof and looked down over the village to the sea. At night, the lights of town and of boats at anchor seemed to be merely reflections of the stars. He felt immersed in a light-flecked, galactic calm. The village, it was called El Jardín de los Reyes, Garden of the Kings, was a confused, angular design of moonlight and shadow, which cascaded down the steep hills toward the sea.